I, um, a few weeks ago, met with a, a young couple, a really lovely young couple, very, very um, warm and friendly, and just telling me all about themselves. And along the way, the guy was just saying all kinds of things about um, the girl. And he was telling me about the things that she had studied, uh, the degrees that she had, the profession she had entered, and the things that she was accomplishing. And he ended his little sort of diatribe by saying, she's not just a pretty face, you know. Not just a pretty face. What I want to talk about this morning is that observation about Esther. Because if we were to begin the story of Esther and read in the, the Bible, the account that is given to us, when we first come across Esther, she's presented to us as just a pretty face. I mean, it, it's, it's a stark commentary, and you think, wow, the, because we know a little bit about where the story goes, we think, surely there would have been a better way to begin introducing her. Do you say that even though she had lost her parents, she was still a fine young woman, she was accomplishing things, or she had this kind of character. But no, we're just told that she was very pretty, which is a bit of an insult, right? And it kind of maybe teases out in us the, the curiosity that says, what else are we going to learn about Esther? Um, that is about something more than she's pretty. I mean, is this a story just about a king's sort of lavish lifestyle and choices, or is it more than that? And of course, it's much, much more than that. So I want to ask the question, was Esther just another pretty face, or did she have a heart of courage? And today our, our topic really is courage. And as we go through the story of Esther, we find, oh my goodness, she may have had a pretty face, but she had a heart of courage. And that is the thing that remains with us. That's the sort of remembrance that we have as we go back in history and understand all the things that God was able to do while he was acting behind the scenes. And Esther was willing to step up and demonstrate that she had a heart of courage. So a pretty face um, you can't take credit for. That's how you were born. I was born like this, pretty or not, you decide. But I could do nothing about it, nor could you, some of you beautiful people. You're just beautiful people because of your mama. There we go, right? But what about your heart? Do you have a heart of courage? When the story of your life is told, would, would someone say she was a very pretty face or he was a very good-looking guy? Or would they say she had a heart of courage or he had a heart of courage? And if we wanted to sort of forecast what we would like people to say, um, either by writing it on our gravestone or by telling about it in our memorial service, um, we would love to be able to expect that people would say she lived a courageous life. He lived a courageous life. We thought about the fears that hold us back from being the courageous people that we may be called to be. And I want to just sort of um, just nudge you a little bit and ask the question about the heart that you have and whether or not it's a heart of courage. Very simply, as I 
sort of mull that over. Courage about what? I mean, if you would want to be known as a courageous person, why would you be called a courageous person? What does it mean to be courageous? Well, it may mean something in one of three realms. It may mean that you have been a person who has the courage to say something. You may be someone who has the courage to do something. Or you may be a person who has the courage to be something. So let me just sort of dwell on those realms and ask you just to sort of think about the circumstances of your life, um, present and maybe what's looming, and in your circumstances, if you're looking for the, the sort of behind-the-scenes work of God, and you remember, you know, Mordecai saying to Esther, well, what about, suppose you have, have come to this place for such a time as this, and we might be able to sort of think about our circumstances, where we are, what we're doing, and wonder about whether it's somehow or other because of the time um, that we have been raised for such a time as this, and courage may well be required for us to seize the opportunity that is before us as we press through this pandemic and into the future that comes soon after that. Is there a need for me to have courage to say something, courage to do something, or courage to be something? I think the third one is the hardest one to, to get our minds around. The first two aren't so hard, and hopefully they'll be fairly blatant where something may already spring to mind and say, yeah, there is something I need to say. And honestly, I'm not sure I've been courageous enough yet to say what needs to be said, or I may be able to discern there is something I need to do. There is something needs to be done. I believe I should be the one to do that thing, and I want my courage to step up. And then we will go at the, the question about being something. What is the, the big thing that we've been maybe, maybe hesitant um, to step up about? Uh, that is in the realm of being something. Courage to say something, do something, and be something. Um, I don't like acronyms a whole lot. I swore to myself, um, and I've kept this promise all the way till now, never to put LOL on any message I ever send. I, I, I never have. I, I'm, honestly, I haven't. Because every time I might be inclined, I'm going, no, remember, remember, you promised not to use that acronym. Um, and, and sometimes you're left s sort of scratching your head to say, well, what does that acronym even mean? What do those letters mean? We, we mostly have to ask our kids. And they tell us, oh, well, I use that all the time. Right, Ashlyn? It, here's what it means. So what I want to do is give you just a little sort of a, um, a tutorial on when you need the courage to say something, how to know what to say. And I'm going to steal the TBH acronym, right? What does TBH mean, Ashlyn? Thank you. To be honest, right? We all knew that, didn't we? Of course. TBH. Do I need to have the courage in some setting to say something? And then if I sort of muster the courage, 
how, how do I know that I'm um, wisely approaching this situation? So using TBH, um, let me just suggest that when I have stepped up and I'm ready in my mind and heart to say something that I believe should be said, how do I apply, apply the TBH uh, acronym? First of all, um, is it true? Secondly, is it the best? And thirdly, is it helpful? So TBH, is it true? Is it time? Um, and is it um, helpful? Um, is it true? Is is a just a good discipline when we find ourselves in in the tumult of relationships and situations, and we are we're ready to say something. We we maybe have this strong sense that okay something needs to be said. I've gathered all of the data. I've listened to all the chatter, and and I'm ready. I think for this conversation. So first of all, fact checking these days is of utmost importance, right? Because a whole lot of things are being said about a whole lot of things. And so we always do well to say, well, what I am holding in my sort of data bank about this situation or this person, um, is, is it true? Do I have the facts right? Do I have the right story? And before I rush into a conversation, you rush into a conversation, it's always best to be sure that you have the facts right. Um, maybe there's something that a person has done and you feel as though you need the courage to address the person about that thing. And when you actually go back and maybe ask someone else around the situation, you find out that it's not quite what you thought it must be, or maybe even what somebody else told you it was. And so you need to sort of um, sort through the data that you've collected and just know that you're going in with your eyes open, uh, that you're going in having checked the facts, and that when you begin to talk, first of all, there's not going to be egg on your face because the person won't end up having to say to you, are you serious? You believe I said that? You believe I did that? I didn't. Who told you that? And then, then you're in trouble, right? First of all, um, TBH, is, is it true? When I know that it's true, then the B part of the acronym is the word best. Is this the best time to have this conversation? Am I the best person to have this conversation? Um, is what I'm thinking the best thing to say as I enter um, what may be a robust congregation to, conversation, to use a, a term that's in, in the vernacular today? Um, I, I'm, intending, I'm intending to muster the courage to have a conversation. I've checked my facts. And now, is this the best time? Am I the best person? Um, is what I'm thinking the best thing to say? How do we deal with those things? Uh, James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God. And more and more, we need to just lean hard into that and say, um, if I'm going in a direction and that's not the way you want me to do, teach me to listen and to watch for the prompts 
or the um, just the little stop signs that come along in my mind. So we live in, in a prayerful sort of a way that says, um, I want this conversation I know is costly. It may be a ferocious conversation. I, th- I think I've checked the facts very well. But I really need to discern um, whether I'm, I'm applying this, this criterion of best. Am I the best person? Is this the best time? Um, sometimes just knowing the best time is going to be almost by revelation from God saying, now's the time. Like there, there's a prompting, this is, this is the time. I had a, a person who became a dear, dear friend, um, became the chairman of our deacons board way back in Vancouver. And Doug and I were, were great friends later on. Um, when we were in Toronto, he would travel back and forward here, and we'd get together all the time. So just so you know. Um, but one Sunday morning, at about 10 to 11, because 11 o'clock is when church is supposed to start. It used to start then, but then we changed it. About 10 to 11, Doug stormed into my office and said, You never listen, do you? And then walked out. Uh, after the service... I managed to get through that service, but after the service, I went to him. I said, Doug, don't ever do that again. And by that time, he had kind of calmed down, and he said, what? I said, like 10 minutes before we're going to start a church service, and you, a deacon, are going to like get me all upset like that? Don't ever do it. That wasn't the best time for that conversation. We had the subsequent conversation about the thing that was annoying him, it was nicely resolved, and one of the things that Doug said at the end of his tenure in, in the board was that he very nicely said that he had found me to be someone who was very responsive. And I felt like saying, yeah, Doug, where were you thinking that back in that conversation that um, you scared me about? So is it the best time? And when it is the best time, then we need to depend on the Spirit to quicken that courage in us. And you know that the flesh and the devil will try to pull you back when it is the best time. And so maybe we rush in sometimes at the wrong time, and many times we also hesitate when it's the right time, and we miss an opportunity. God misses the opportunity that he would like us to have in that conversation. Um, am I the best person? Um, sometimes we think a little bit more highly of ourselves than we ought, and we think that we are the right person, and maybe we're not. So it's the question of, uh, am I the best person for this conversation? If I'm not, who is? And how might I encourage that person or encourage the conversation that that person might be able to have? Um, being parents. From time to time, you need to do a little bit of negotiation and say, who's the best person to deal with this? Is it you or is it me? Uh, we had a little, little period of time when Annabeth and our daughter weren't getting along very, very well. They are now the closest, best friends, mom and daughter. But one time when Alicia was in junior high, Annabeth said to me, you deal with her. I don't even like her. She was behaving junior high-ish, and that was the truth. And who was the right person?
to have that conversation. It's all about being a person of courage. We're saying it's not just pretty face, it's do I have a heart of courage? And being able to, to live out of the strength of that heart of courage is first of all to ask the question, is there something that I need courage to say? And let me sort of think through the, the criteria that I have in mind about the TBH values. Is it helpful? Sometimes we feel driven to say something, not because it's helpful to the other person, but because we perceive or presume it'll be helpful for us. I had a lady phone me one day, and uh, she said, before we, be, we begin to talk, can we pray? And, and sometimes that's very good. Sometimes if you're a pastor and you've heard that sort of thing, you think, uh-oh, it must be serious. So I'd say, sure, so Alice prayed. And she said, dear God, please help Pastor Ian to receive this in the spirit in which it is given. Uh-oh. So that'd be one of those times you were wishing you were using your cell phone and it just hit a dead patch or something and the conversation didn't go any farther. She then proceeded to lambaste me. She went through the whole litany of things that she thought I'd do wrong or did wrong and was wrong about and all of that. And at the end of it all, without really taking a breath, without giving me any opportunity for response, she said, thanks very much for listening. It's been really helpful to me and hung up. It wasn't very helpful to me. She thought it was, I presume, because that's why she felt like she needed to say those things. But it wasn't the right time, and it wasn't helpful at all to me. So what's my motivation? If, if, I, if I believe I need the courage, and it's in the realm of saying something, is what I'm saying helpful? And just, just applying that simple little check that says about all of our conversations, is what I am saying here helpful? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I saying what I'm saying to the person that I'm saying it to? Why am I saying it in this group of people? Is it really helpful? And we might sometimes then say, no, it, it may not be helpful. And so this is not, not the, uh, the moment in which this should be the expression of my courage. Do I need the courage to say something? And we go to Esther. And we find that in her mind and in her relationships, there's this processing about what should I say and how, how shall I say it. Even the matter of going to the king. I mean, you're not welcome into the king's presence. And yet, is there something that is to be said and courage is going to need to drive um, the ability of the person to say that thing? Esther gets word of the fact that the king's life is threatened. And so she feels, I, I, I need to say something. But she had to apply wisdom about that and say, well, you can't just go say something to the king. So she prayerfully and thoughtfully went into the presence of the king and took her opportunity to demonstrate courage. Second area in which we may need to have courage, and Esther certainly needed to have courage, was to do something. 
And so courageous was Esther that she ultimately said, when it came down to the matter of, look, Mordecai is saying to Esther, all of your people are being threatened. There's the possibility of annihilation. And who knows, you may have come to the throne for such a time as this. So you need courage. You need courage to do something. And um, Mordecai called on Esther and she stepped it up. And the heart of courage that we now know was more um, descriptive of Esther than just the fact that she was very pretty um, came to be needed in, in the moment. Do I need the courage to do something? And being at the end of the day, someone who apparently was in a place for a particular reason, um, uh, all of that borne out by the expression of the heart of courage. Do I need to say something and I'm just shrinking back, not being courageous enough? Do I need to do something? Um, you sometimes hear someone saying, near, somebody should do something about that. And, you know, the inner voice in you says, maybe you should. Someone has talked about, you know, sort of praying to God and saying, why, why don't you do something about that? And it's as though God enters back and says, why don't you do something about that? Sometimes that's actually the, the kind of conversation that I think goes on between us and God where we, we feel burdened about something and then we really almost hear God speak in our minds and say, why don't you do something? I've told you before about my friend Ed who uh, came to me one day and said we should start an Out of the Cold program. And I, I agreed with him. And I think it was three times, three years in succession, Ed came back to me and said we should start an Out of the Cold program. And I said yes. The third time he said, I'm starting an Out of the Cold program. And I said, good. That, that, that's what I wish I had heard like years ago. But um, he, he had the courage to do something. He, he had a burden um, about something that needed to be done. And he, he stepped up and, and demonstrated the heart of courage that said, I will do something. If there was something you could name that you believe needs to be done, and you, even though you might sort of be a little bit squeamish about this, you, you might say, I think I'm the one that's supposed to do it. Could you have the courage of heart to do that? Uh, and what, what might that thing be? I mean, it's, it's a matter of looking around and seeing our circumstances, seeing the situation of the people around us, the, um, the town that we're living in, the country that we're living in, the world that we're living in, and all of that is replete with, with opportunities um, about something that should be done by someone. And maybe the question the Spirit places on your mind this morning is the question, what about you? Should you do that? And you go, oh my goodness, me? I don't think so. How many times is the Bible telling us stories of people who were in that moment of sort of 
thinking somebody should do something and, and then realizing they should be the person. I mean, so here's David, and he's probably going through this process of saying, somebody should stop that giant, right? Somebody, somebody should go there. In fact, that's what he said. Why don't, why don't, why don't you let this guy do this? And then the small voice in his mind says, you better do it. And it didn't make any sense. He was too small. That, that was proven by even trying on Saul's armor. And he couldn't, he couldn't even deal with the armor, never mind you know, go out and be safe wearing the armor. Um, but nonetheless, something needed to be done. And it required a heart of courage to be the person that did that thing. At the end of a person's life, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, will there be something that people could point back to and say, remember when something needed to be done and you did it? Not just you agreed it should be done. Not just you prayed that it would be done. But actually you did it. You stepped up and you demonstrated a heart of courage. Courage to say something, the courage to do something. And finally, the courage to be something. Maybe that's the one that is looming in your thinking and in your um, sort of meandering thoughts, where you realize that, that there's something you need to be that's very important for the, for the kingdom of God, for the well-being of people around you. So not just that you need to say something, not just that you need to do something, but there's some role, there's some way that you need to be for things to be different. Uh, maybe you need to be the one who takes leadership. Maybe you look around and you say, somebody should really you know, organize this thing and get it done. Somebody needs to articulate a clear vision for this and get it done. And maybe God is calling on you and saying, well, I need you to be that person. I need you to be that leader. Uh, you have an idea about something and you think it would really work well. And there is something in you that's innovative and apostolic and God is saying, you see that, you see what you're kind of motivated about? That's because I want you to be the person that's going to take that leadership, that's going to take that role. Maybe that's going to take that, um, that second place role. Maybe there's somebody else who's a great leader, visionary, but they can't organize themselves for anything. And you know you're a good organizer. And you're just hesitant because you know it's going to be work, you know it's going to be a cost, and yet God is saying, well, that's what you're wired for. I need you to be that person and to have the courage to be that person. Do you have the courage to say something that needs to be said? Courage to do something that needs to be done? Courage to be something? I don't know what's going on in your head, but I, I hope you're thinking hard about your situation, your opportunities, the world around you, the people around you. And if you had to choose, I bet there's one of those three that's applicable. There's probably something you need to say somewhere to someone. There's probably something you need to do here, there, or wherever. 
there may well be the need for you to be courageous enough to be someone, to be the something or someone that God wants to use. Let, let me tell you as, as I wrap that, this up, about three people that have impressed me with a heart of courage. And they're all women. First of all, I, I think of our friend Smita. One of the most tragic things about COVID is that Smita died of COVID. I mean, I mean, when we heard that news, it was like a shot to the stomach, wasn't it? I mean, God, Smita? Smita, I'm sure without thinking about this, this little sort of checklist, had the courage to say something about things that were wrong. First of all, in the International Justice Mission, she was, you know, saying something about what was wrong about the way little girls were treated in India. Um, she probably had going on in her mind the question, who, who's going to do something about this? And as we know, she stepped up and did. And when you meet Smita... She's a pretty face, that's for sure. Colorful, sorry, and um, just a vibrant person. But she was a person of deep conviction and courage, whom God used in the lives of countless little girls. Uh, and, and the ministry that she began will continue to flourish because of what, what she has, has, has done. Could Smita have been in the background saying the conditions are appalling in Calcutta. Somebody should really do something. Somebody should say something. Someone, when they see those, those men, you know, sort of circling uh, in the brothel areas, they should say to those men, be, you should be ashamed of yourself. Go back home to your children and your, and your wives. But Samita did something, right? And the result of what she did is a beautiful thing where you see little girls whose, re whose innocence has returned to them. As I have said, to see these little girls with the teddy bears that they're each given and realize where they had come from. And yet now they were little girls again with innocence and enjoying the life that was promised to them. And, and Smita did that. She wasn't just a pretty face. There was a heart of courage that said, for such a time as this, I'm here. Second person I think of is a young woman in Uganda called Damali. And in Uganda, there is a high rate of infant mortality um, and a high rate of, of mother mortality. And Damali began to... Um, have little babies brought to her from the villages because their moms had passed in their and being delivered and all of that sort of thing. And that Domali didn't really have great expertise or resources, but she understood that these little babies were helpless without a mother. And she, she began the sunrise homes for, for mothers. 
And then by partnering with various churches and so on in North America, they have built house after house after house where um, babies are, are rescued from the plight um, of, you know, probably being abandoned. Um, Domali is a pretty face. She's a lovely African woman. Um, but when you meet her, um, you begin to understand that she has a heart of courage. Uh, I, I would end up in Kampala in a, um, a little guest hotel, and I, was, I needed to find my way to the village in Jinja where Domali was. And I, I simply said to the lady that checked me in, um, do you know Domali? Uganda is a big place, and Kampala is a big city, and Jinja is a long ways away. She said, yeah, everybody knows, everybody knows Domali. How does everybody know Domali? They know her because of what she does to take care of those babies. And so there again, we have a person, um, her life goes on, her ministry goes on, and not just a pretty face, she, she has a heart of courage. The third person is someone I've not met myself. Her name is Dr. Jean Chamberlain, and she was a doctor and obstetrician in Uganda, Mozambique before that, and some other places. She's from McMaster, and she began an organization called Save the Mothers. She began to discern that um, mothers in Uganda, particularly where, where she saw it, um, were dying of preventable diseases. And so she um, mobilized all kinds of training on the ground for people close to mothers at risk. Uh, she's been given the Order of Canada, and her organization is renowned. Um, I was reading ab about her uh, ministry and life, and she simply says this, Mothers are dying needlessly. It's a story in need of more international attention. It's led me to places I would never have dreamed, and it's led me to try to make a difference. I found God has given me strength I didn't know I had, and opened roads I didn't know existed. That's what it's about. It's saying we can just sit there or we can do something. It might begin by saying something in some situation where courage is required. It might be that we need to do something. It might be that we need to be something. Um, you might need to be uh, someone who designs and begins a ministry that, like any one of these three, blossoms into a powerful thing. And, and to sit and say, not me, I could not, I don't have the courage, I don't have the skills, I, I don't have, it's like, yeah, but the argument of the Bible is against that. The argument of the Bible is that if, if you will be a person of courage, God will do incredible things, things that you couldn't have imagined doing. Um, no one of the heroes in the stories of the Bible began as a hero. They often began as cowards. They often began as those who would shrink back from a situation. But the stories of the Bible tell us that God uses ordinary people and he says, no, wait a minute, you, you need to say something. You need to do something. You need to be something. 
all of us here. That's what the Bible is saying to us. It's saying, yeah, y'all are pretty faces. That's done. But what about the heart of courage? God might want to take you and use you in a courageous way that will make all the difference in the world for, for many, many people in many, many situations. Um, is it just a pretty face or is it a heart of courage that is really the story of Esther? Oh, we pray. Father, we love the story of Esther. We love the caricature of this girl. And realize the just the incredible odds against her um, that her heart of courage stood against. So I pray for, especially for the girls that we all know, for the young girls we know, might they first of all know um, that they can do whatever they want to do. They can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish, that there's nothing in our society or our thinking that that would cause us to caution them against that. But Father, I pray that you will just um, grow in um, the girls, the young women that we know, um, just an expansive understanding of how you could use them in a really significant way. And Father, we all need to be the example of this, so show us the areas in which we should be courageous and At the end of the day, Father, we pray that we will be searching for um, that summary of the lives that we've lived and the activities we've been engaged in um, that says, yep, apart from all the things that you could see on the outside, inside there was a heart of courage. So, Father, we commit this idea to you and pray for your, your speaking and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.